everyone and welcome to episode number 54 of the Smackdown Wind Down slash AW Rampage Late Night Razor. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 142 of WrestleTopia draws to a close. Happy Saturday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW winds down. And last night was Friday Night Smackdown on Fox going down live from the Smoothie King Center in New Orleans, Louisiana. And this is going to be a quickie review of both shows because I'm a little pressed for time, but I'm going to give you what you need in order to get through your Saturday by giving you the quick hits from both shows. And of course, we have to kick things off with parking lot drama in WWE because it never fails. Whether you're at Full Sail, the WWE Performance Center, or arenas across America, we are bound to see parking lot fights, car accidents, and so much more because these places are dangerous in the WWE. So last night, we kick off SmackDown with Karrion Cross and Scarlett in some kind of car accident. And then Drew McIntyre hits the scene and proceeds to beat up Karrion Cross some more and almost smashes a truck door into Karrion Cross until WWE officials break things up at the last minute. And Drew McIntyre did not cause the accident, but he did cause the fight. And this feud must continue. It should be noted that Cross was supposed to be a part of a fatal four-way match to crown a new number one contender for Gunther's Intercontinental Championship. And he was replaced by someone later in the show, which I'll get to shortly. Another highlight from last night was more bloodline drama between Jey Uso and Sami Zayn as Zayn faced the New Day's Kofi Kingston in a singles match. Very good action to kick off SmackDown as Roman attacks Jay once again to help Sami win no matter what. And there was an inside joke that Sami and Roman shared over the phone and Jay was not privy to that side of the conversation, which made him even angrier as Solo stood backstage to take in the action from afar. Kofi lands a dive on Sami on the outside as we quickly go to commercial break. We come back and Sami regains control by locking in a chin lock on Kofi before going up top and getting dropped with a missile drop kick in midair courtesy of Kofi. At one point, Kofi goes up top for some kind of hurricanrana maneuver, but it completely goes awry and Sammy has to save it by trying to roll up Kofi for a near fall. Nice recovery by both men. Kofi feels froggy once again goes up top only for Sammy to toss him off the top rope and onto the floor by the announce table as we go to another commercial break. We come back and Kofi lands the SOS on Sammy for a very close near fall as the pace quickens with Kofi landing a flip dive onto Sammy Zayn on the outside as well. Xavier Wood celebrates but in doing so, he eats a super kick by Jey Uso. Sammy takes advantage of the distraction by landing a blue thunder bomb on Kofi for a close near fall. Kofi goes to trouble in paradise, but Jey Uso once again causes trouble on the ring apron. Kofi knocks him off, but in doing so, Sammy Zayn rolls up Kofi for a near fall. Kofi reverses that into a roll-up of his own, but... Jay behind the referee's back switches momentum on behalf of Sami Zayn and Rose up Kofi for the win a short time later. Jay is actually happy for Sami Zayn, wants to take credit backstage for this win. But Sami claims he did not see Jay provide the assist for the victor in solo, who could be the only other witness to this notes that, well, um, I didn't see it. I wasn't paying attention. So Jay is on an island all by himself. But the video footage will prove 
beyond a shadow of a doubt, he helped Sammy win. The receipts are right there in plain view. And I hope that they don't dumb it down to say that Sammy has no access to this footage because it's right there via WWE's YouTube channel, recapping all the highlights from SmackDown. It's on social media. It's there. And hopefully they don't dumb it down heading into Monday's Raw or Friday SmackDown whenever the bloodline reappears on WWE television. But the storyline between Sammy, Jay, Solo, Jimmy, and Roman is still the best damn thing going in WWE today because you never know where we're going to go with this story next. And that is the beauty of this storyline. Next up is Rey Mysterio wanting to quit WWE because he doesn't want to fight his son. No matter what his son does, no matter what his son says, he's not going to hit his son. So he tells Triple H, you know what? I've had a good run here. I love WWE as family to me, but I cannot strike my son. I cannot be around him on Monday Night Raw. I cannot put my hands on him. I love him. I hold him when he was born. He's my baby and I don't want to hurt him. So it's best I leave. And Triple H says no. No, we got to work through this. So let's talk in my office for five good minutes. Maybe we can work something out and I'll tell you how they work things out momentarily. Next up is Roxanne Perez showing up on Friday Night Smackdown to pick Cora J's poison for Tuesday night's NXT and she chooses Raquel Rodriguez so that should be a lot of fun. Bailey alongside the women's tag team champions Io Sky and Dakota Kai representing Damage Control come into the frame and Bailey says why you didn't pick me Roxanne? And Roxanne's like well listen girl you've been losing lately I can't rely on you you get the W for me which leads to a six woman tag team match momentarily but first was Braun Strowman versus two local yokels getting their asses kicked in two minutes or less with power bombs, beals clotheslines. You gotta love it. The running power slam came back as well but in doing this match we got a surprise parent spy omas in a nice tailored suit alongside mvp as mvp notes that a monster among monsters cannot beat a nigerian giant and we are clearly hinting at this big hoss battle possibly most likely at crown jewel between Strowman and omas and i am curious to see how it goes Strowman is solid in the ring it's never been a doubt in my mind that he can be competent and have good matches. I've seen it. Now, his last run in WWE towards his release last year wasn't great, but his return so far has been very good, and he's going to be taxed to carry Omos to quite possibly his finest performance to date outside of Bobby Lashley earlier this year during the trilogy of matches between WrestleMania, Backlash, and that Steel Cage match on Monday Night Raw several months ago. We'll see how it goes in due time, but it's a big-time feud, and two big dudes going out there, hossing around. It's never a miss if it's laid out properly, of course. Next up is LA Knight making his SmackDown debut officially against Monsoir for Maximum Male Models. And this match was fine for what it was with LA Knight dominating most of the action. Monsoir has some hope spots here and there, but a knee strike followed by the blunt force trauma finisher was the ticket for LA Knight who turned on the fans. He does not want their support or love. He doesn't care about those incels and he's all about winning some championships in WWE by calling out the SmackDown locker room. So he is LA Knight and yeah, good to see him in action hopefully gets his character over on the main roster in due time next up is Roxanne Perez Raquel Rodriguez and Shotzi versus Damage Control's Bailey and the women's tag team champions Dakota Kai and Neo Sky this was a great showcase for Roxanne Perez to show what she can do on the main roster she was really good against Dakota EO and Bailey especially Shotzi had her moments as well Raquel got the hot tag cleaning house on Damage Control until 
Dakota Kai hops on her former tag team partner's back, which allows Io to land a moonsault out of nowhere on the floor. But Shasi up the ante by landing a crossbody onto Io Sky and Dakota Kai on the floor as well. The action does come down to Roxanne Perez and Bailey in the ring, and they have a nice back and forth exchange with Bailey going for a patented Bailey to Belly for a near fall that she surprised the Roxanne kicked out of at the last possible moment goes up top, but she misses as well, and Roxanne is going to roll up Bailey time and time again for the win, but Bailey is going to go for the rose plant. Roxanne goes for the cover, but Bailey reverses for the quick win via roll up with shoulders pinned. And I thought this was a great outing for Roxanne Perez to really hang tough with three season vets in Dakota Kai, Io Sky, and Bailey, especially. And the closing moments were really good. The fans kind of got into the possibility of Roxanne upsetting Bailey, but we knew the outcome would be Bailey getting that win because it would make no sense for her to eat another pin in a week. We shouted it so against Candice LeRae this past Monday on Raw, but Roxanne lost nothing via the L. She she hung tough against a seasoned vet in Bailey, and they really delivered when it counted most to end this match on a high, even though it was in favor of the heels at the end of the day. Next up is Hit Rose, Top Dollar, and Ashanti the Adonis versus Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wilde representing Legado de Fantasma, Zelina Vega, and such as Escobar brought them out there, but went backstage, and Top Dollar and Ashanti took the fight to Legado early on. They were dominant until Santos Escobar tripped Ashanti off the apron. B-Fab tries to confront Santos Escobar, but she's attacked from behind by Zelina Vega, who lands a clothesline on B-Fab that knocks her out of this match. In doing so, the distraction allows Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wilde to take control by rocking top dollar and landing the sacrificio high-low for the win as Legado stands tall over Hit Row once again. As we reignite Turf Wars 2022 with Hit Row and Legado, this time on the main roster, and it should be a lot of fun, but I feel like Hit Row needs one. One more piece to even the odds in the weeks to come. Next up is our Fatal 4 match for a shot at the Intercontinental Championship, a shot to get chopped by Gunther at a date to be determined. It was Sheamus versus Ricochet versus Solo Sequoia versus not Karrion Cross, who was out of this match due to injury caused by Drew McIntyre and a car accident backstage at the top of last night's show. And in Karrion Cross's place is none other than the not-retired Rey Mysterio, who is now a part of Friday Night SmackDown. He does not want to beat a son up or face Judgment Day any longer, which understand as I think WWE is pivoting away from Ray to Judgment Day versus the Good Brothers and AJ Styles for now. You can always go back to Ray versus Dominic early next year heading to WrestleMania, which is the best slow burn approach at this point. But Judgment Day can creep up on Friday nights too to make Ray's life a living hell when need be. This was a great Fatal 4 match. We got some first ever matchups between Ray Mysterio and Sheamus who've never had a match in WWE. And they've been around each other for a very long time, even though Ray took a break from WWE several years ago as Ricochet wipes out Solo with a dive on the outside and Ray Ray follows suit by laying out Sheamus with a dive of his own. As we go to commercial break, we come back and Sheamus lands the Irish curse backbreaker on Mysterio for a near fall. Goes for the bro kick, which is blocked by Solo, who lands a lariat on Ray instead. And this leads to a big hoss battle between Solo, Sequoia, and Sheamus. They trade shots back and forth. The action spills on the outside as Solo drops Sheamus with a Samoan drop. Ricochet rocks Solo with a dive on the outside, followed by Ray doing a sliding dive on top of Sheamus as well. Then it comes down to Ricochet and Ray Mysterio. The fans pop 
at two high flyers doing their thing in the ring. And it is a beautiful showcase. They got better as the match went on. We had great counters from both guys as Ricochet catches Ray with a Northern Light suplex into a suplex for a very close near fall. And things will get better later on in this match between those two. But eventually, we got Solo back in the ring and he destroys Ricochet with a clothesline and rocks Sheamus with a spinning heel kick. We come back from commercial once again and Solo's firmly in control of things as he beats down everyone. Sheamus recovers with a pair of boots to Solo's face and then he's going to get on the top rope for some kind of spot. But Rey Mysterio and Ricochet meet him there, but they're power bombed courtesy of Solo Sequoia and he goes for a cover on Ricochet, but Sheamus lands a knee drop to break up the cover and he's going to drill Solo with 26 clubbering forearm strikes to the chest, which the fans popped for throughout. Goes for a clover leaf on Solo until Sami Zayn and Jey Uso cause trouble for Sheamus. They beat him down at ringside until the brawling brutes make the save in the form of Rich Holland and Bush. That leads to Solo helping his crew and that leads to a brawl on the outside, leaving Ray and Ricochet in the ring by themselves. Races up to 619. Ricochet blocks that the fans are just into the action at this point because they don't know how it's going to go. And we have Ray turn a head scissors into a head scissors driver that spikes Ricochet right on his head. It's a gnarly maneuver really seen on WWE TV. He lands a 619 followed by that frog splash from the top rope. Viva la raza for the win as Rey Mysterio has earned the right to get chopped and maimed and destroyed by Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship at a future date. But in all seriousness, a first time ever matchup between Rey Mysterio and Gunther sounds exhilarating on paper. Is going to be brutal. And I find it funny that Ray wants to get chopped more than beating up his own son with a switch. Definite choice. But for us as viewers, Gunther versus Ray is going to hit in the best possible way. And speaking of hitting, Liv Morgan is on an extreme tip these days. As she heard Sonya Deville talk shit about her and she proceeds to beat her ass. And she puts Sonya on a table and climbs up this structure backstage. And she delivers a high level set on onto Sonya through a table it's a great spot and Liv is living for the extreme these days and that sets up a match between Liv and Sonya Deville next Friday on Smackdown and poor Sonya's got to go to NXT and face Alba Fire one-on-one this Tuesday and she ain't gonna be 100% but we'll see how it goes in a few days time but I do like this new switch up for Liv Morgan she's a little bit pissed off that she lost and she's got a point to prove and being extreme is the way to go we'll see how it translates next week in the rain when you don't have to fall off things I think but this might be a new stretch for her in terms of seeing how far she can take this new side of her character after losing the SmackDown Women's Championship to Ronda Rousey this past Saturday at Extreme Rules in an eponymous Extreme Rules match. Next up is the return of Bray Wyatt for real this time. We get teases throughout the show. He's coming out tonight. He's coming out next. He's coming out soon. He comes out to a great ovation some new coat orange which I like very much and he gets an ovation of ovations the fireflies are out he's out there unmasked with his lantern of course and this is Winham Rotunda talking he is emotional he is crying what he's saying comes from the heart saying guys I appreciate this you don't know what this means to me because a year ago I didn't have a job I thought I was lost I thought I lost it all I thought that what I did didn't matter but hearing you it proved to me that it did matter and I was down and out I lost two very special people in my life that leads to a beautiful Brody Chan in honor of the late great Brody Lee 
And Bray says, you encouraged me to keep going and you saved my life. And for you to come up to me to say, I saved yours in some ways makes all of this even more humbling. And he's truly moved by the reaction saying, thank you, Bray. And they're supporting him in such a beautiful way. And then we get the fucking twist at the end when the creepy dude in a mask appears on the big screen. And it appears to be the same mask that Wyatt wore at Extreme Rules. The man in the video said to come with him because your life's done. Forget the future and forget the past. You have no idea what you're dealing with, but you will. And we get one evil laugh and SmackDown ends abruptly. It was a shocking conclusion to this show. And I'm intrigued by this because I don't know what the hell is going on. Because we know the dude on the screen is Bray Wyatt. And there's a Wyatt Six idea going around as to past characters he's played in WWE. Are we getting different people in this crew? Is it six personalities of Bray Wyatt? We don't know. This is the first of many chapters to the story leading into next year's WrestleMania. And I'm intrigued by this. I like the split of seeing the real Bray and whoever the hell that is on the screen saying, no, give in, let go. Forget the future in the past. Think about the right now and what's going to happen to you, which won't be very good. So I am very creeped out about all of this, but I am excited because I want to see where this story goes in the months to come. And I want to see how Bray has autonomy over the storyline in terms of creativity and how far the story goes in terms of other people being a part of the crew. And if it's really him versus himself, that is a crazy storyline. It's different. It's unlike The Fiend when it was a bit out there and he was all powerful. He couldn't be beaten. It was extra. And I want that reduced. I want that stripped down. I want this to be an internal psychological battle that we could all latch on to and have fun with. And I think that Bray having some control over this will make this unforgettable in the months to come. I could be eating my words by WrestleMania season, but I do trust his genius when he's able to cook on his own. The original Wyatt family will hold a forever place in my heart. It was beautiful. The early days of the Firefly Funhouse was a lot of fun. It was an acid trip from hell, but I enjoyed it. The Fiend was definitely more missed and hit in a lot of ways because he killed a lot of baby faces and Seth Rollins and The Miz, Brian Danielson survived, Kevin Owens survived it somehow, some way Randy burned him up a couple of years ago almost in a Thunderdome. And then we had the match at WrestleMania, which was a fucking disaster with Alexa dripping Castro GTX all in her face to spook her own guy into losing the match. So all of this went awry in the last year or so leading to his release from WWE last summer. So it's all about where do we go awry? Was this Vince or was it Bray or was it a combination of the two? We're going to know via how far this story goes heading into next year because we know there's many layers to Bray Wyatt's genius and we'll see how he tells this story before us in the months to come. Overall, good smackdown tonight, good matches, great finish with Bray Wyatt offering us more questions and answers regarding where he's going to take his character or characters on Friday nights as he's exclusive to smackdown and that's going to make every smackdown moving forward must see TV one way or another. And now let's briefly dive into last night's Rampage going down taped from the Coca-Cola Coliseum in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we kick things off with the Butcher and the Blade versus Claudio Casanoli and the AEW World Champion John Moxley in a tag team match. I love the action with Claudio going after the Butcher straight away with a European uppercut. But the Butcher and Blade have their moments to slow down the pace a bit. Thanks to an assist from the Bunny as we go picture in picture. We come back and Moxley is going to be able to recover and land a cutter on the Blade followed by a 
pay on the butcher on the outside. He's going to scrape the back of the blade on the top rope and land a superplex off the top rope, followed by a stuffed power driver on the blade as well for a near fall. The blade and the butcher have one more bit of life in them to go after Claudio and Moxley, but they get their heads kicked in and we have Moxley landing the Death Rider on the blade and Claudio lifting up the butcher. No easy feat for the Bacola Bomb for the win as the Blackpool Combat Club stands tall to kick off last night's rampage on TNT. Next up is Daniel Garcia renouncing being a professional wrestler and going back to his true calling of being a sports entertainer to make Chris Jericho proud as he had a revelation last Wednesday when Jericho knocked him out with the Ring of Honor Championship belt and noted that I realized in that moment that the only way to win is by cheating your way to victory and sports entertainer's final way to win no matter what. Despite his respect, admiration, and hero worship of Brian Danielson, Chris Jericho is his true mentor at the end of the day. And we get a surprise from Dalton Castle and the boys. And Dalton Castle is so charismatic and over. He calls Chris Jericho, and I quote, a stupid, silly, naive little goose. And he wants to bring honor back to the Ring of Honor World Championship because Chris Jericho's been bringing dishonor to the title ever since he won it from Claudio nearly a month ago on Ash. And he broke his back winning that championship, carrying the company on his back, broken and all for years. But he wants a shot this Tuesday on Dynamite. Jericho agrees. And he's going to channel the peacock power in order to win that championship. But Jericho vows to pluck the peacock feathers from Dalton Castle and retain that championship to be the Ocho once more more fun segment between Castle and Jericho. Garcia cuts a really good promo as always, but I'm mixed on him being realigned with the Jericho Appreciation Society because, okay, you learn nothing. But I think in the long run, he is going to beat Jericho at his own game. Be a mole from within. Find your voice in due time and beat the master and become Ring of Honor World Champion. I think that should be the end goal heading into whenever Ring of Honor gets a television deal Sometime next year, one can only hope at this point. Next up is Anna Jay versus Nala Rose, the not TBS champion. The match is okay. We go through a commercial break and Nala Rose lands the beast bomb on Anna Jay for the win. After the match is over, Vicky has a mocking sign saying that Nala's 1-0 as champion. That leads to Jay Cargill coming out with the baddies, Kara Hogan and Layla Gray. And we got security guards protecting Nala Rose from a beatdown. But Jay Cargill boots and she smashes these people with the greatest of ease trying to get to Nala Rose but she flees from the scene and she still has Jade's TBS championship the match is coming I'm looking forward to it dear God let it be on actual TBS and a dynamite in the next couple of weeks and let her win her championship back on TBS and I think that Jade's greatest feat will be landing Jaded on Nyla. That is where the money is, and I cannot wait to see it very, very soon on TV, preferably on Dynamite on TBS for the TBS Championship. Next up is Eager Ethan Page versus Isaiah Cassidy. If Cassidy wins, he is free from the firm's contract. If he loses, Matt Hardy's also locked in with the firm as contract tampering season continues. This is basically a glorified squash for Eager Ethan Page, but Isaiah has a moment here and there with a tornillo on the outside, but Ego lands a twist of fate to mock Hardy, followed by the Eagle's Edge to win the match pretty decisively. And now we got Private Party and Matt Hardy working underneath the firm for reasons. And I hate it for them, but hey, at least they got a job under the firm. And Stokely Hathaway is proud about it every step of the way. And now it is time for our main event featuring FTR and Sean Spears versus the Gates of Agony with Prince Nana at ringside and 
to be honest, with all due respect to the Gates of Agony, they're just not over with the AEW audience. They have great size. They put in good work. FTR tries their best, but I just don't feel it from a connection standpoint. And that's one of the drawbacks of having Ring of Honor all over AEW TV because all of these matchups don't click. It was a hard fought match and Spears is over in his hometown of Toronto, but that was about it. We have some moments from Brian Cage, which is always impressive as he tries to overpower his opponents with suplexes and high spots. But ultimately it comes down to Spears landing the C4 on Khan after FTR hit him first with the heart attack for the win in honor of Brett the Hitman Hart. We're in Canada. You got to do Canada things, which is totally cool, by the way. And after the match is over, we get more Ring of Honor from Maria Canellis, Mike Bennett, and Matt Taven as they want their due as building up the Ring of Honor and IWGP tag team titles from the roots up. And FTR deserves none of the credit for it. And they do first as Maria declares herself the first lady of pro wrestling. The embassy attacks FTR. We get a beatdown attack by the gates of agony as well until Wardlow and Samoa Joe Ward Joe make the save clear the ring to end the show with the baby faces standing tall and I'm mixed on the finish to be honest because I like elements of ring of honor on AEW television but they really need their own television property they need their own show and dare I say you need to turn rampage into ring of honor rampage to give this promotion their own identity their own television time because i don't want this to be a congestion of aw and ring of honor pervading the shows every single week it does get to be a bit much when you got to focus on your homegrown talent from aw as well there needs to be a deal in place early next year to separate the two to tell their own stories away from each other and then maybe collaborate when need be it's all under tony khan but you gotta have ring of honor in its own universe at some point to make sure aw so streamlined every wednesday and friday via dynamite and rampage and there is a lot of belts between both companies it leads to oversaturation it might lead to people not caring about some of these titles across all of these shows it's a lot so the sooner we separate AEW and Ring of Honor the better because I want both promotions to breathe on their own and get their own stars over separately in the process and on that note this wraps up a solid rampage it was an easy hour to get through a bit more jam-packed with more star power and they need that in order to kind of stay afloat with the NBA starting back up next Friday with the full slate on ESPN at 7 30 and of course 10 o'clock for the West Coast viewers. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 54 of the SmackDown Wind Down slash AW Rampage, Late Night Rager. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at Wrestletopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily recapping. Monday Night Raw, NXT, AW Dynamite, Friday Night SmackDown on Fox, and AW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do, such Wrestletopia, and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, Enables Amazon Alexa and Spotify. I'll be back Tuesday morning with episode number 143 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. Until then, enjoy your Saturday, Sunday, and your Matic Monday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care. Bye.